Hello, I'm Tara Ruckman. And I'm Stephanie Howe, and we are Control the Chaos EDU. Are you burnt out? Are you feeling frustrated or overwhelmed? Or maybe it's the opposite, and you're a go-getter and want to level up. Then it's time to dive in with real talk and solution-focused conversations. Hello, and welcome to this week's Control the Chaos Conversations. And it's been a crazy uh, couple of weeks. We launched our new book, which was really exciting. So first of all, thank you everybody who has supported us um, in either buying or sharing or tweeting out um, and celebrating with us. It has been a crazy journey getting all of our ideas in our head onto paper, um, which just sounds crazy that now we're authors. What do you think about all that, Tara? I mean, the editing process, I never, um. whoa, <laughs> like just to go through that process alone was wild. After getting everything onto paper, now the editing process, like I think that was um, not what I expected it to be, like your first draft, your second draft, your third draft. Yes. And then you're like, oh, crap, I missed something. Oh, like we just got to let it go. There might be a mistake in there. I'm sure there probably is. And I think there is like in chapter one, I think I saw a mistake. But you know what? Like we're human and we are just excited. I'm feeling blessed. Like I I'm so thankful and grateful for all the people that supported us. I am a very overwhelmed by getting to that bestseller list. Um, the top of it in Amazon on our very first week and staying there um, and continuing. Like once we looked at the stats, day one, we were on top of the list. Day two, we were still on top of the list. You know, there was no other bestsellers that came out to head to the top of the list. So that was very exciting and quite overwhelming. Yeah. And so again, just thank you. And I know for me, it was like we finished editing and then they were like, all right, we're ready to push this out. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I could continuously change and edit. Um, and I'm like, I don't know how people are going to take this. So again, thank you so much for all of the support. You did um, send me a text about being a little bit nervous. Uh, like, yeah, I, had nervous. Some, I had some <laughs> imposter syndrome where I thought, you know, are people going to take this the right way? Did I explain it correctly? Did I do this? Do I do that? And all that kind of stuff. Um, so that definitely kicked in, but you've got to just ship it. <laughs> just go. If there's a mistake. There's a mistake. It yeah, happens, sure. right? Like it, does, it happens. It so forgive us if there is any mistakes. <laughs> but we had fun doing it. We had fun mm -hmm. writing, and yeah. um, it was it was definitely something that I can check off my adventure list because something that I wanted to do and I set a goal to do. So, so I'm excited to have gone through the process. So thank you, everyone. Yeah. All right. So this um, week, again, we're talking about motivation and we're going to be talking about designing a lesson with motivation in mind. And so when I think of this, um, I kind of think of students. And when I'm walking throughout different classrooms, I might see 
some students are super engaged with their lesson. They're super motivated. Um, and it doesn't take the teacher much to motivate those students. And then you have other students and kind of like what we talked about last week with the expectancy value and cost framework where they feel like they can't do it and they've just given up, right? So again, we went over that lesson in the previous episode and we just kind of talked about how students might feel and not feel supported and how we can kind of support them. This week's gonna continue with that. And so again, I think about that student that has their head down. Uh, maybe they're not completing their work. Maybe they are just completely frustrated and because they feel frustrated, they're starting to act out, um, which can be interesting to deal with. And I think sometimes as an adult, especially when I was teaching, I had a couple of these students and I felt like they were just acting out to act out, right? And I didn't see the reflection in myself of how I could support this student in lesson design. And so, again, when I was teaching, I had some, you know, students that that the content was way above their skill gaps. Um, and so when I'm trying to teach up here and they still can't add or subtract, but they need to be able to multiply and divide or whatever the concept we were learning about in math, they they again, they just put their heads down. And I just felt like, oh, they don't care. Right. They're not motivated to learn. But I think looking back, they were motivated to learn. They just needed the right supports from me in place. And I think some days I provided those supports and other days, I think I let their reaction frustrate me. <laughs> and um, they sometimes maybe had the frustration take over and uh, were not participating in the lesson to their full potential. So I'm excited to explore this ARCS model of de um, instructional design. And we're going to go through all of the different letters today. We're going to go through um, kind of the design thinking process. They kind of use a step-by-step -step model that kind of reminds me of the design thinking process to come up with your lessons. And then you're going to want to tune back in next week where we're going to actually go through something that we're struggling with. <laughs> and we're going to create a lesson for it. And we're going to kind of walk through their design model of what they say, like, these are the steps to follow. And then here are just some engaging different strategies to use to support those students. So you ready to dive in? Yeah. And I do want to note, like, I, I love that you said when you have a student and you never really thought about what you could do to change. Oftentimes, like we're looking at the behavior of the student, they're unmotivated, they're putting their head down, they're not engaged in the lesson. And we're like, the students, the students, the students. But we never think about, okay, how can I change? I shouldn't say we never think about it. We sometimes do. But how can I motivate them? How can I change my response? How can I change my lesson to help? So what what is the pattern and how can I change the pattern in my response to it to help motivate all students in the classroom? So design with motivation in mind, um, the ARCS model, looking at that ARCS model, we have A is for attention. So for looking at that attention piece, what does the attention piece mean to you? 
as you're if you were thinking about your class. So attention, of course, is very simple. It's just getting and sustaining that student attention and directing their attention to the appropriate appropriate task so that they're not distracted by all the things that are going on in the environment or the other stimuli, which that's kind of an ABA word that we use, but what is going on around them. So we want to sustain and engage and direct their attention to the appropriate task. So attention is pretty self-explanatory, right? Um, so that is the A for the first of the four factors in the acronym for the ARCS model. And again, you're going to want to join us next week because just in the attention area, there's six different strategies um, that you can use to engage and grab that student's attention. And as I was reading them, I was like, oh, yeah, this could work and this could work and this could work. Um, so I'm excited for next week's episode as well, just to grab that attention piece, because, again, there's so many takeaways that I took from this that I think you're going to be able to take as well. The next step is relevance. And when it comes to relevance, it's are we making this instruction applicable um, to the students, maybe career opportunities, and we're kind of showing that, hey, learning is enjoyable, and it's also kind of focusing on the process over the product. So making sure that students, um, my favorite word this year is psychologically uh, safe, creating that safe environment in your classroom. And so are we creating that safe space for students to try to fail um, and, and kind of start to see, hey, I went through this process and I made mistakes, but then I did come out with a product or I did be I was able to kind of do these different things. Um, so, again, we're kind of aiming for failing forward, <laughs> which is something that I love to do. And so this one also hit home and just creating that psychologically safe classroom. And I know for sure when I was teaching, there was times I did not create that safe space for my students. Right. Like. I might have said something that hurt that psychological safety environment where I didn't mean to, but I was just, again, frustrated with how they were responding to not understanding and putting their head down where I should have probably responded in a different way and make it so that they are able to fail forward. Also with peers, um, I think we need to work on creating that psychological safe space as well. A lot of times I hear peers that say like, I don't want to work with you. And as soon as I hear someone doesn't want to work with me, my feelings are hurt, right? I don't want to try. I don't want to work with that group. I just want to give up automatically. So how do we create that space? And I think part of that is with the relevance piece. And again, going into next week, there's six strategies for relevance as well, Um I mean, I'll say we'll start at six. I'm, I'm sure that there's probably many more, but we'll be going over at least six strategies to increase that revel relevance next week. So then we get into confidence. So confidence is pretty self-explanatory as well, but think about it. We're helping the students believe that they can have some level of success if they give the effort, right? So how do you create that confidence in a student and why is it so important? Well, the why of confidence being so important, if students feel like they're going to fail every time or they're constantly getting a C and a D, 
um, because they're really struggling, what happens to their motivation? Motivation tanks, right? I mean, if I have... <laughs> Steph is ringing us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Oh, can you just explain to our listeners why I'm laughing right now? Yeah, my phone has just been, um, it has a black screen. It's definitely working. <laughs> it's just, I can't see anything. Um, and so the alarm has been going off since 4 a.m. and I can't stop it. <laughs> yeah, but the funny part of this story you didn't share. She called 911 this morning. Oh, yeah, I did call 911. <laughs> I mean... That's not funny because it could be serious, but at the same time, it's kind of funny. All yeah, right. And they're like, what's your emergency? And I'm like, I don't have one. Um, my phone just is not working. Um, oh, goodness. Well, yeah, you but, can't be blocking up the 911 lines because that is serious. You got to save them for people with real emergencies, not that your phone's broken. Yeah, I so get a new phone. Emergency. Get a new phone. Yep. All right. So anyway, <laughs> back to confidence. Sorry. That made me laugh and I, I love it. Because she gave me a speech about getting my com new computer. Now I get to turn it around on a new phone. So we're creating confidence in students. If you believe you're going to fail all the time, what happens? Do you want to continue to do that? I mean, some kids do because they want to just keep going until they've, they've got it. Some kids don't. Some kids don't have that level of confidence. And confidence is something that we want to build in students. So if we build confidence in them and give them some type of level of success, then the effort is going to increase. So think about a, a winning team. So if you have a winning team, right, and they're going to try to make the playoffs and they've created this confidence in themselves because they're winning. They want to keep winning. So they want to keep playing harder. They want to keep pushing more and more, get in the gym, practice extra because they're motivated by the thought of making the playoffs. And then you have the team that has multiple losses and they know they're not going to make the playoffs now because they have too many losses or they don't have enough points. What happens to their motivation? Their motivation starts to go down. Their confidence in their self starts to go down because now they're like, oh, well, we're not going to make the playoffs anyway. So why work as hard? Why put as much effort in? Why spend my time going extra to the weight room? Because it's not going to matter anyway. We're not going to make it to the playoffs. See how that kind of work um, works? Like if you don't have that end result where they feel successful, that motivation goes down and students don't want to spend their valuable time doing it. So if a student is really struggling with a lesson or a reading or a math activity and they continue to not do well in it, their motivation to push harder, spend more time on it, and do those things are going to go down. And that's where you'll see a student putting their head down because they just can't do it. They're not motivated to do it. They haven't been able to do it. So finding something that they can find success in, boosting their confidence and in their abilities, 
will then give them that push to exert more effort and build that confidence. So that is the C in the ARCS instructional design model. And then the last step is satisfaction. And I think I left out this step a lot because we're always thinking, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? And as educators, we're so busy. We have to fit so much in in so many days that it can just feel very overwhelming. And we don't even celebrate our student success. And when we don't celebrate, <clears throat> that motivation goes down, right? For a lot of our students because, um, I like to use the forced choice survey, which we'll talk about a little bit more next week. But if you haven't seen it, we, we post a lot about it. So make sure you um, either reach out to us and we'll send you some resources or whatever you need. But with the satisfaction, um, students typically on the forced choice survey are motivated by peer approval or adult approval is what I've kind of started to feel out <laughs> when it comes to fifth graders and sixth graders. Um, and a lot of it is adult approval. And even with my son, AJ, I feel like it's adult approval. Like when I'm like, good job, like last night he scored a goal. If I was not to celebrate that, he'd probably stop scoring goals at soccer, right? Because I'm not celebrating it. But because we are celebrating it, he continues to go. And as soon as he kicks a goal now, he looks over at me and makes sure that I'm cheering, you know, and cheering him on. And I think it's the same thing with our kids. Again, we've got to find the time in our crazy, crazy schedules to celebrate and help our students feel good about what they have accomplished. Um, because it is difficult for some of these students that might have more skill gaps than others. And then allowing them to kind of feel like an expert in some type of way um, can really start to allow them to take ownership of their learning. But again, I know for me, I sometimes left this piece out because of time. And I was like, okay, you finally got adding fractions. Well, now it's time to do long division and you haven't mastered that yet. And so I forget to celebrate. And then my students would again put their head down and and like not try <laughs> because I wasn't celebrating their success with the fraction. So I think that's a huge piece as well. And I think the overall kind of arching piece of this ARCS model is that once we put in and use some of this instructional design, then we start to create this intrinsic motivation for students. Like if a student feels confident and they're, they've achieved satisfaction and the content is relevant, relevant to future employment and you've been able to keep their attention, now we have created this intrinsic motivation or we haven't created the intrinsic motivation. They have the intrinsic, intrinsic motivation, but we've kind of pointed them in that direction, put into place all these moving pieces and puzzles when we've created this lesson and designed it. So that way we have that intrinsic piece and they are motivated on their own without us then keep continuing to push forward if we've put all these things into place when we've designed our lesson. So now 
onto the steps of the actual design. So there's four steps and Steph was explaining earlier that, you know, these also align with OTES. And if you are not in the state of Ohio, it may align with your evaluation process as well. So thinking about these, we have define, design, develop, and evaluate. So those are the four steps that we'll go into as you get into this design of the ARCS model. Yeah, so next week when you listen in, bring a problem with you. Bring some type of problem that you're experiencing with your classroom. Uh, maybe it's a couple students, maybe it's one student, maybe it's your whole class. And just kind of think about, okay, what has been a huge struggle this school year? And we're going to hopefully try to create a lesson plan that will support all students in the class. So we're going to talk about these four steps of the instructional design model. Define, design, develop, and evaluate. So if we're looking at define, there's three pieces of define. First, we're going to classify the problem, and then we're going to analyze our student motivation, and then prepare motivational objectives. So using that model to define the problem and, and analyze the audience, I'm excited to do that next week. But those are kind of the steps that go within the step of the define portion of the ARCS instructional design model. Yeah, which then brings us to the design, um, which is kind of looking at potential motivational strategies for each of the different objectives. And thinking about how are we going to motivate those students and use it to kind of engage them in the learning. So when we're selecting strategies, you want to make sure that it doesn't take too much instructional time. You also want to make sure that you're not um, looking at the instructional objective and not like detracting from that, right? You're looking at your standards, you're kind of keeping that on pace. And then you want to make sure that you fall within time and money, right? We're always, we're always slow on time as educators. We're always struggling with that piece. But again, you want to make sure, okay, how much time do I have? And I like to usually kind of create like an agenda and map out my time. And then if you need materials, we don't want you to go broke. So we got to keep that in mind as well to make sure that you have enough money to support this lesson um, as well. And then you also want to make sure that it is acceptable to the audience that your students will kind of um, enjoy it and taking their personalities into mind when you are creating. And then you also want to just kind of make sure that it goes with your style as a teacher. Um, every teacher is a little bit different in that. And we want to make sure that you are able to be you, right? We don't want you to be somebody else. So when it comes to that, you need to consider your personal style, your preference, and the model of instruction that might work best for you. Um, so those are just some things that we want to keep in mind when we are looking at different strategies. And I think that's where having an instructional coach can really come into play. Because we might be able to say, like, here's an idea. But then when we meet with people one-on-one, -on -one, then we're able to go into, okay, this is your style, this is your preference, this is your mode, this is your comfort level, and we're able to adapt and maybe change some things to make it fit for you. Um, so if you have an instructional 
uh, coach, make sure you reach out to them when you are going through um, this lesson framework as well to kind of use them as a thought partner. Yeah. And after you have gotten through that design piece, then we get into the develop. So are we preparing motivational elements and are we integrating materials with the instruction? So basically, how are you engaging the students, right? How are you preparing those motivational elements are to keep their attention, to make it relevant, to build that confidence in them, and also that satisfaction? So preparing those motivational elements is super important because if we're not engaging them and we're not keeping them their attention, we're not even going to get to the piece of how we are delivering the content, right? Like the how we deliver the content is super important for all of this piece. Um, but we want to keep their attention right from the very start. So how can you grab them? How can you hook them into this piece that creates that motivational element? Yeah. And then the final piece is that evaluate. So you're just kind of looking at it and saying, okay, I'm going to try it out. <laughs> and if I fail, I fail, but we're going to give it a go. Um, and then you're also going to kind of assess those motivational. Did you see a change in those students or did you not? Um, what changes did you see? And just kind of looking over and evaluating what happened throughout that lesson process. All right, so that uh, is the ARCS model of instructional design. Again, that is the model that is designed to improve motivational appearance or appeal of your instructional materials in the way that you deliver the actual lesson. So with all of that in mind and getting that expectancy value cost model of last week, we're kind of tying all these things together and giving you so many pieces of how you can help increase that motivation in students. Next week, we're going to continue on with a lesson, building a lesson, and also looking at all of those strategies. So for this week, tell us how you motivate your students. Tell us what pieces of the ARCS model of instructional design. You don't have to do all of them. Pick one. Is it attention? Is it relevance? Is it confidence? Is it satisfaction? And think about when or how you can implement one of these things into a lesson that you designed this week. And until next time, control the chaos. Thanks for listening to Control the Chaos EDU. Check out the description for show notes. We look forward to connecting with you on social media. Subscribe to the weekly podcast so you never miss an episode. Control the chaos until next time.